to worship together with other believers, open up the Word of God, and let it apply to our lives. I, I know that probably uh, you saw maybe at least clips of the wedding. How many of you actually got up at like 4 a.m. to watch the wedding? Did anybody do that? Anybody? Anybody? All right, so most of you, if you saw it, saw a recording of it, uh, the wedding of Harry and Meghan. And I was amazed by the fact that uh, they are, the cost for the wedding was $45 million, $45 million. And what I heard on the news is that most of that money was spent for what? Security, right? Most of that money was spent for security because there is sin in the world and they wanted to protect this couple and a majority of the cost was to keep people from doing what they should not be doing to begin with, which is called sin, right? And that's why when we talk about our faith, I want to talk about this because Romans does. We uh, get to the close of our study on the book of Romans. We need to protect our faith, the faith that we have in Jesus Christ. It needs to be protected. We ought to be alert to the attacks that are out there. What's the most valuable possession you have? Uh, I don't know where you keep it. Maybe you keep it in a uh, a safety deposit box in a bank somewhere. If it's in your house, I know what you do do. You probably lock your home. You may have cameras. You may have a security alarm system. Inside your home, you may have a safe. And these are things that will pass. They, they don't last forever and ever. Like Jesus said, where uh, moth and rust will destroy these things. But we spend a lot of money and a lot of energy protecting stuff. And my prayer would be that we would realize that when we drop everything in our lives, we drop all of our possessions, my car, my house, uh, my, my computer, my cell phone, all this stuff is uh, being dropped out of our lives. What is the last thing you're holding on to that's the most valuable possession that you have? What is it? It's your faith, right? It's your faith. And if we can spend so much time and energy and money protecting our earthly stuff, how much more should we spend protecting the faith that is so dear to us? Why is it so dear? Because we love Jesus Christ and it has implications for all of eternity. It lasts forever and ever. That's why it's so precious and our relationship with Jesus Christ motivates us to protect the faith that we have. And that's what Paul talks about at the end of the book of Romans. The bottom line is this. The truth and the bond we have in Christ is a precious thing and needs to be protected from those who would seek to damage and even destroy it. The truth you have in Jesus Christ is extremely precious. Very precious. The bond we have here in the church as brothers and sisters in Christ, is very precious. There are those who want to divide and destroy and damage the, the truth that we have in Jesus Christ and the bond that we have in Jesus Christ. And so at the end of the book of Romans, you know, Paul has gone through some amazing passages talking about these wonderful truths that we have in Jesus Christ. We need to protect it. We need to defend it, to contend for the faith. I'd like you to turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 16. If you don't have your Bibles, there should be one nearby. We love opening our Bibles here at Riverview Church because that's where truth is. Like, my opinions mean nothing, amen? They, they mean absolutely nothing. My thoughts, if they, especially if they contradict the word of God, 
I have absolutely no authority at all. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't change the absolute eternal truths of God's word. That's why we love the word of God. That's why we turn to it. That's why we find our truth in it. Verse 17, Paul starts out by saying, I appeal to you, brothers. Now, that's an appeal. He's begging these brothers and sisters. I appeal to you. Sit up on the edge of your seats and listen to this. That's what Paul is saying. This is important. To watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. All right, so here's his appeal. I've gone through church in Rome. All these amazing truths about Jesus Christ and about our relationship with God and one another. But you need to know this, that there will be people that will seek to attack that. They'll want to destroy it and undermine it. So watch out. You know, if something dangerous is coming out at somebody, you're like, watch out. Watch out. We need to be on the alert. It's happening all around us. People are attacking the very person of Christ, the very faith that we hold so dear. They're undermining it. They want to diminish your confidence in it. We need to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles. You know, a a church loves unity, amen? And we have an amazing unity here at Riverview Church. I'm so thankful for that. But it's not unity at any cost. Right? I hope you know that. It's not unity at any cost. There is something that we will not allow to happen here at Riverview, and that's for ungodly truth to come in and undermine what we have here and what the Word of God says. That's why we love the Word of God. Because it does not change. It's right here for us. And God has protected it and preserved it for us. That's why we're to watch out for those who come in and want to cause divisions. Hey, if you're a church that's already denying the word of God, which sadly I have met pastors and leaders of churches that are denying the truths of God's word. And I often say, why did you do that? What was the reason, for example, that you gave up, sadly, there are some churches and pastors who deny the resurrection of Jesus. Why would you give that up? There's no evidence or proof that substantiated that would deny the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fact, the evidence points to the very opposite, that Jesus did rise from the dead. Why would you ever give that up? The more we find out about God's word, the more we find out about history, the more we find out about Jesus, the more confident we should be in our faith today. So here's the first thing I want to challenge you with. Develop an alert, watchful eye. Develop an alert, watchful eye. It's not an angry, watchful eye, right? It's not a a hateful, watchful eye. It's a loving, watchful eye. You love Jesus too much to allow people to spread truths about him that are not true. You love the church too much, even though it's filled with imperfect people like me, right? And God isn't working imperfect people like me here at the church. But you love the church for that reason. Because God is doing an amazing construction project in the lives of people. You want to protect that. You don't want it to be undermined. You don't want divisions to come in and hurt the church and damage the church. We're to develop an alert, 
watchful eye. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out. The Greek word here for watch out comes, uh, leads us to the English word. It's where we derive our English word scope from. To keep your eye on, to scope out, to mark out, to distinguish in order to clearly recognize where to watch out. Because there are people who want to damage the truth that we have in Jesus Christ. There are people that want to damage the church. If you're a church that's already denying the truths of Jesus, Satan's going to probably leave you alone. You're exactly where he wants you. If you're a church that's denying the truths of Jesus Christ, you have already succumbed to this deception of Satan and his forces. We don't want to do that. We want to be a body of believers that say, hey, this is, this is God's truth. We want to watch out for it. We want to make sure that nothing comes into the church that undermines these major teachings of Christ. There are those who want to cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you've been taught. Avoid them. No, that sounds kind of unloving. No, it's not. They've been warned. They've been told what you're teaching is not true. Hey, we, you, you can't be part of the fellowship if you cause divisions or undermine the core doctrines of the faith because it's so precious to us. Do you understand how precious it is? You know, I, I, my, my son plays uh, basketball. I was at a game yesterday. I love my son, right? And, and I have to admit, there are times when my son is playing, he'll get the ball, he'll make a move, he'll drive to the hoop, and I'm standing on the sidelines. You know, I think I told you I, I videotape. I'm standing right there videotaping because he loves watching the game afterwards and kind of getting an idea of what he did wrong and things like that. And I'm videotaping, and, and all of a sudden he'll be driving to the basket, and somebody will come and just hit him on the shoulder. And as he's going up for the shot, he'll get hit on the arm. That's my son. So what do I do as the father? I stay silent. I don't say a word. I just stand there and watch my son get beat up on the court. Is that what I do? <laughs> no, my son's precious to me. So I can't help him blurting out, he got fouled. Kai, ref, he got fouled. As the play is happening, and now the ref said to me yesterday, okay, it's okay, dad, I got it. And he made the call, you know, dad, calm down, I got it. I didn't tell him that he was my son and I was his dad. He figured it out, right? Just by the way I reacted. Because my son is precious to me. Well, if there's a foul, I want the call to be made. That, that's for us as well. God has, in essence, placed all of us as referees to make a call on something that is a foul. That's not right. That shouldn't be in the church. I, in love, I love the church too much to let that continue. I love the Lord too much to allow him to be attacked falsely. i got to stand up for him. We're to watch out. Uh, the early church, you might think, wow, it was an early church. Did they have problems of people coming in trying to divide the church? Absolutely they did. Let me just give you a few groups. The Judaizers. They, they said faith in Christ is not enough to obtain righteousness before God. They were legalists. You have to follow the Old Testament law and love Jesus. Well, that was deemed by the church to be false teaching, and it was stopped. Now, there are people that still teach it today, but in the early church, they said, we don't want that in the church. Well, that's, that's not right. There was Gnosticism. The word Gnosticism comes from the Greek word gnosis, which means knowledge. There were these teachers that said, we have special knowledge that no one else has. It's a secret knowledge. They twisted the language of the biblical writers to deny that Jesus had a real body or that he experienced a real death for our sin. That's why Paul makes the point that Jesus died in the flesh. 
He was here as a God-man. But Gnosticism was creeping into the church that there was a secret knowledge that unless you knew this secret knowledge, you could not be saved. It was a false teaching. It had to be denied. It had to be ousted from the church. There were those who were libertines who flaunted the grace of God and liberty in Christ by advocating immoral behavior like Paul says in the book of Romans. Should we continue in sin that grace may abound? That was addressing the libertine theology. Hey, the more we sin, the more grace we find from God, and that feels so good. The more we sin, the more forgiveness we get from God. That feels so good. That's false teaching. How can you, who have died to sin, still live in it? How can you, who say you want to be like Jesus, still live in rebellion to him? That was false teaching in the early church. It needed to be addressed. There were ascetics who forbade marriage, who called for abstinence from certain foods and activities as a means to a holy life rather than dependence solely upon the cross of Christ for salvation. Hey, you have to stay away from these foods and these activities. Abstain from this. Don't, don't, don't do these things because that's when you really show your love for God. And when you really show your love for God, that's when you are saved. That, that's false teaching. It was in the early church. It needed to be addressed. It needed to be taken out of the church. See, it's the most loving thing you can do, right? Because the church and the truth of God is a treasure. It's a treasure that we have. I love what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It says, for God who said, let light shine out of the darkness, has shone in our hearts. Man, we, the light of God is in our hearts. We sense it. We have the truth of Jesus Christ. In our, in our hearts, to give the light of the knowledge to the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God. I was speaking to someone on Friday who said this to me. He said, well, you know, I believe in Jesus, but I believe he, he was reincarnated in all the different forms of the religious leaders that we see today. That Jesus was Buddha, that Jesus was Muhammad, that Jesus, of course, was Jesus, and that he's come as all these different religious leaders. I said, that would be maybe plausible, except for the fact that they totally contradict each other. You would think that Jesus is the most confused religious leader that ever walked on the earth, because all of them contradict each other and all of them say the other one is wrong doesn't make sense goes against the very teachings of Jesus and why would you follow Jesus and believe that he's a religious teacher when he taught a message totally opposite of what you're believing why believe in Jesus because he made it clear that's not the truth what you're believing see people come up with the craziest things the craziest things. They believe in a God who can't get his message straight, that it comes in all these different forms. He just can't get his message together. God can't clearly communicate his message to the world. But we believe he did. And he backed it up as the only person who taught the world how to be right with God. He backed it up with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's the only person who's ever done that. He's the only person who rose again from the dead. That's why his words have authority. That's why we believe in him. That's why our worldview, you know what a worldview is, right? It's the lens through which we see ourselves and our world. As we engage in life, appropriate truth, and make disciples 
uh, decisions, I'm sorry, which emanate from our worldview. See, the Bible becomes this invaluable lens for us. We view everything through the word of God. We view every event in this world through the lens of God's word. I hope you were a bit amazed as I was, uh, and I see this as being a part of God's fulfillment in his word, as America opened up its embassy in Jerusalem, and now all these other countries are beginning to recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. Uh, do you see that as a fulfillment of what I see? That, that's leading towards the end of time as the word of God talks about all these things that are happening as forces in different countries are aligning themselves that perfectly match the word of God and how it talks about end times. It should encourage you to get into the word of God and say, the word of God is precious. I will defend it. Paul says there are those that will want to come in and cause divisions. It's going to happen. They're going to say things that aren't true. They're going to undermine Jesus Christ. They're going to try to divide the body of Christ. It happens. We need to watch out. I appeal to you, brothers, watch out. I like what Immanuel Kant said about the word of God. He's perceived to be one of the greatest thinkers in human history. He said this, the existence of the Bible as a book for the people I don't agree with everything Immanuel Kant believes, but I love what he says here. Is the greatest benefit which the human race has ever experienced. Let me read that again. The existence of the Bible as a book for the people is the greatest benefit which the human race has ever experienced. And every attempt to belittle it is a crime against what? Humanity. Any attempt to belittle the word of God is a crime against humanity. Why? Because so much good has come from the word of God. So much equality has come from the word of God. Our hope in our eternity comes from the truth of the word of God. That's why any attempt to belittle it is a crime against humanity. That's why we're to watch out. That's why we're not to let anything hurt the truth of God's word or hurt the body of Christ. See, we're to protect the very truth that anchors your life for eternity in Jesus Christ. It's the most precious thing to you. You want to defend it. It anchors your life to eternity because those truths will be attacked and twisted and misrepresented and even altered in order to move you away from the centrality of the cross of Christ and faith in him. Those truths will be altered and misrepresented to move you away from the church, to isolate you. That's what Paul is warning them about. Don't let people come in and divide you with stuff that doesn't match the word of God. They will want to do that. Who's behind it? It's Satan and his forces. This is a spiritual battle. We're engaged every day in a spiritual battle. John 8 says this, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth. And I love this line. And the truth will set you what? Free. The truth will set you free. That means lies will put you in bondage. I would rather be a church of 50 people and tell the truth than a church of 50,000 people and preach a lie. Amen? Let me say it one more time. <laughs> I'd rather be a church of 50 people and tell the truth than a church of 50,000 people and tell a lie. Amen? Amen. Amen. I hope you love that. 
that you love the truth of God, the plain teaching of God's word. It's not that complicated. The core truths of God's word are so clear. Now, we've talked about the fact that we give freedom in the non-essentials of the faith. But in the core doctrines, salvation by faith alone, uh, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that Jesus, 100% divine, 100% human, laid down his life for us on the cross. And by faith alone, no works added, you are saved. Now, once you appropriate that faith and you take that faith on, you want to be like Jesus. You want to change. That's the whole message of James. Someone said that to me uh, uh, this week as well. They were talking, we we're talking about James. What about that part where it says faith without works is dead? It's exactly what the word of God is trying to tell us. That if you are truly saved, God will begin a true work inside of you to change you. So faith without a change, faith without works is a dead faith. You weren't truly saved. That's why people can say, well, I tried that God thing and it didn't work for me, so I left. I tried that Jesus thing, but now I deny it. You were never truly saved. You never came to Christ wanting to be like him and appropriating the truth of Christ in your life. See, the truth is what will set you free. The truth is what will set us free. That's why it's so precious to us. That's why we love teaching the word of God without apologizing about it. We're not going to apologize about teaching God's word. We're going to stand on it. We're going to love it. We're going to defend it. And it breaks my heart when I see churches that don't. It breaks my heart when I see pastors that don't. And it happens. See, here's the word of God. It says this, protect the truth. Be alert. Be alert. Uh, I love what it says in 1 Peter 5, 8. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You've probably seen all the specials like I have of the lion that's watching the herd of gazelle. And he'll look for the one that looks a little slower, a little sickly, a little, little off from the crowd. And that will be the one that he'll focus on. And he will attack that one that's wandered a bit off from the herd. See, he prowls around looking for someone to destroy. The Bible warns us, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. You know, when you, when you hear somebody teaching, I, I, you're probably like me. I've heard people from the Mormon faith, Jehovah Witnesses, and other groups that change the word of God. And you talk to them and you're like, there's something wrong here. My spirit just, there, there's something wrong here. Other groups as well. You can usually tell that a group is an aberration of the Christian faith because they have some funky name like the Unified Worldwide Church of Jesus Christ uh, Backdoor. Something like, it's really a funky name. You're like, wait a minute, I want to find out oh, exactly what do you believe. And you can ask some key questions like, do you believe Jesus Christ was divine, God in flesh. If they say yes to that, move on to the second one. Do you believe by faith in Jesus Christ you can get to heaven alone, not by any other works? See, there are a number of key things that are very dear to us because you know deep down in your heart the implications are eternal. There are many false prophets that are going out. So we need to learn what the word of God says. If we're gonna be alert, we need to learn what the word of God is. 2 Timothy 2.15 says this, do your best to present to God as yourself to God as one approved. A worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. 
See, there's a desire that you have because there's so many people attacking the word of God. There's so many people attacking the person of Christ. You want to get into the word of God. You want to find out. And if you don't know the answer, it just encourages you to get back into the word of God and find out what the answer is to that person who's teaching a false doctrine. Well, watch out. See, these people that are, and there are people, you're sometimes amazed by their uh, knowledge of some of the verses in the word of God, I have to admit. There's some people who are like they've got all these verses memorized. Sadly, they've been taught incorrectly. They've been trained incorrectly. They uh, hang these major theological false truths on obscure verses and ignore clear ones that contradict that false teaching. See, uh, Timothy, the book of Timothy describes those people as this, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. There are those people like that around us. They may be very learned, but they're not godly. They're, they're not taking their truths from the right interpretation of the word of God. Also, we need to engage, right? We need to engage them. If there's someone that you know that's beginning to believe a false doctrine, engage them. If you turn that brother or sister back, you've stopped a host of sins, the Bible says. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says this, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion against the knowledge of God. It doesn't say we kind of just diddle around with these arguments. We, we hurt them a little bit. We, no, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. See, we want to take every thought we have to, captive to obey Christ. I want to obey God. I want to obey his word. I want to follow him. So as you engage, there's also a resistance that you have as you fight these lies. See, the Bible says, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. And then he goes on and says, we destroy arguments. See, what he's saying is it's a spiritual battle, my friends, all around us. The stakes are high. It's all about eternity. So we're not waging war against the flesh. That's why prayer is so essential. That's why a connection with Jesus is so important. See, we're to resist false teaching and divisive actions by identifying for it for what it is. I'm sure you've heard the illustration of people that would identify counterfeit currency. And you might think, wait, if I was training somebody to identify counterfeit money... I would bring all the examples of counterfeit money and bring them in front of these people so they could see the examples of counterfeit money that have been printed over the years. But apparently, that's not the way it happens. The way people are trained to identify false currency is to do what? They get to know the real currency so well that the moment they taste, they touch something false. No, that's not right. They get to know the real thing, the real currency, those real $20 bills and $50 bills and $100 bills so well that if they feel or even see a false bill, they can identify it immediately because they know the real thing so well. That's true of our faith in Christ as well. We identify it. We dismantle it. We don't just identify the problem. I love that commercial. I don't know if you've seen it of this guy who's looking into the mouth of a dental patient. And he says, oh, that is one of the worst cavities I have ever seen. Uh, you need to get that fixed. And he goes, well, that's it for today. I'm leaving. Let's get some lunch. And he goes, wait a minute. Aren't you going to? No, I just monitor dental problems. I don't fix them, right? We're not to be like that. We're to be people that monitor the problems and then dismantle the problem. 
We prevent it from spreading. spreading. We're not going to have that here. That's not going to happen. I'm not going to believe that because that contradicts the word of God because my belief in Christ is so precious to me. It is the most precious thing in the universe. It says this, see, see to it that no one in Colossians takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. Don't be taken captive by empty philosophy and, and deceit. So beyond resisting it, we need to teach. We need to teach what the word of God says. We need to let people know. Uh, that's why it's so important. We have all these tools here at Riverview for you to get to know the word of God so you understand it well. And we're to put off, as we teach ourselves about Christ, here's the process. We put off the old. Don't you love that? Put off all the old habits, all the old way of thinking, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self. We're to be hungry for that. I want to take off these dirty, filthy rags that I wore before I came to Christ, and now I put on this new robe. I am a prince or a princess if you're a child of God. I told my kids that yesterday as we were watching clips from the, from the, the wedding because I said, oh, Megan's now a princess. And they were like, no, no, she's not. I said, yeah, she married a prince and now she's a princess. She's a related to the royal family. And I turned to my kids and said, you are a prince because you've been adopted into the family of God. He is the king of the universe. That's why you're a prince or a princess in God's family. He's adopted you as one of his children. And I love the fact that in this verse it says, avoid these people. If these people continue to want to hurt the church of Christ or damage the truth of God's word, avoid them. So here's the, the truth. Take decisive, effective action. Take de decisive, effective action. Avoid them. You've tried, you've reached out. They're still promoting this false doctrine. They're still causing division in the church. They will not change. Avoid them. See, know where the battles are occurring. They're occurring all around us. Where are the battles occurring? They're occurring in the culture around you. They're occurring in, in the family, in your family, and with your friends. There are battles. There are friends of yours right now who are beginning to think, hmm, maybe Jesus didn't come as the God-man. Maybe he was just a man that wanted to be a good example to us. There are probably friends you have that are beginning to think that. Or, or maybe another doctrine that is not according to the word of God. Out of love, we're to address that, engage in that, resist that. The battle is happening in your family, and it's happening with your friends. And I, I want to tell you, the battle is happening for your mind and your heart. It's happening for your mind and your heart. That's why we're to watch out. We're to protect the faith that we have. Here's another thing. Watch for the infiltration into your life. Be wise enough to identify ways in which you're beginning to think that aren't according to the word of God. Look out for this subtle infiltration into your life. Identify it. Here's the next thing. Rally fellow believers around the truth. Not only do we defend against lies and against false teaching, but we rally and encourage other believers to believe the word of God, to believe what it says. And lastly, engage the enemy with truth, love, and the Spirit's power. You know, by the power of the Spirit, we can see lives changed. 
we, we don't want to follow man's thinking. We don't want to follow his ideas of how to get to God. We don't want to believe that Jesus came as Muhammad and Buddha and, of course, Jesus and other religious teachers through time. Those are all lies, right? So as we enter into this process of identifying false teaching, we hold to the truth, believing God's truth, the gospel embodied in Christ. We engage in growth. We're we're teaching ourselves more about the word of God. We're engaged in the ongoing process of growth in God's word and its application to our lives. And then beyond that, we contend for the faith. We boldly speak the truth in love and in the power of the spirit. Remember, this is so important. It's the truth in love. It's always the truth in love. I've used this illustration before. If I'm traveling south on Interstate 5, I get on here at the 76 and start heading five on 5 south towards Mexico, but you know I want to go to Los Angeles. It's not loving for you to say, oh, poor Bell, such a bad sense of direction. He's going south on the 5, but if I tell him that, he might be hurt and offended. No, the most loving thing you can say is, uh, hey, Mel, uh, I just saw you got on 5 South. You want to go to Los Angeles? That's 5 North. Thank you. Now, people might not thank you right away, right? They may never thank you. But it's still worth conveying the message, especially when it deals with eternal truth. It's worth telling it. Even if they hang the phone up, when you call them to give them this truth or talk to them in person, they walk away in anger. See, boldly speaking the truth in love, in the power of the Spirit. And we realize, right, that a changed life is not done by human ability. A changed life is done by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why we need to rely on him. That's why we always speak the truth in love. The Spirit can't be in it if we're not doing it God's way. If we're not speaking the truth in love. See, knowing that Jesus will never leave you. He's always with you. In those discussions, in those times when you're contending for the faith, Jesus is right there with you. And I believe ultimately leads to victory. Ultimately leads to victory if we stand for the truth. See, we're to speak the truth in love. We're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, Paul writes in the book of Ephesians, who is Christ. Here's the next thing I see in the text, and we've got to do this quickly. Grow in wise, godly discernment. Look what it says in the text here. It says this. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all. So I rejoice over you. He's like, man, Romans, you're doing really well. I rejoice over you. But I want you, here it is, to be wise as to what is good and innocent As to what is evil, have discernment. I want you to have those filters up. You need to realize that all is not good in the world. There are people who want to attack you and the church and the truth of Jesus Christ. Grow in wise, godly discernment. Identify those things that are evil. That's what it says here in the text. We do that by getting to know the truth really well. And then I love what it says in the next verse. It says this. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Here's our last really good news. 
depend on God's ever-available grace. The grace of Jesus Christ is always with you. He never leaves you. He's there with you. He's in the battle with you. It's always there for us. He will give us the strength to accomplish what he's called us to do. So as we close today, now what? Let me give you just a review of some things I'd love for you to be doing as you leave this place. Realize that this world is not in agreement with Christ. There are people and forces out there who are undermining the truth. It's a battle. Recognize the negative infiltration into your life. Identify, where am I starting to think wrongly according to the word of God? Identify that. Recommit your life to the truth of God's word in all areas. Recommit to that in your life. And then lastly, reach out to this culture with truth and love. I call it a red alert mentality. We're on red alert. There is a battle going on. We're putting on the full armor of God like it says in Ephesians 6 because this has eternal consequences and the battle is worth it. Amen, church? Amen. Let's bow our hearts in prayer this morning. And as your hearts are